Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by exalting the glory of God, sharing and showing the love of Christ, and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now here's this week's message. We are starting off a brand new series this morning, uh, one that I hope will be one of the most powerful life-transforming teachings that we have ever done here at Crossroads. Uh, The goal of this series is that we might experience and be able to walk through true spiritual uh, transformation. Now, let me tell you why this is so important before we uh, jump right into it. I was talking to um, a young woman a couple of weeks ago, and she had, for the first time, uh, stepped into a relationship with God. Now, previously, she had done the, you know, I go to church thing, and I go to church with my parents, and I've been to church, yada, yada, yada stuff, and that didn't really impact any change in her, and she had read through the Bible, I read stuff, it didn't impact any change in her, but then somewhere along the line, she just committed her life and stepped into a relationship with Jesus Christ, and as I was talking to her, she said, here's the thing, people don't tell you this, and she asked, why don't people tell you this, that It's not just about getting into a relationship with God. It's not just about reading the Bible. It's not just about going to church. But God wants to change you. And she said, you know, why don't people tell this? Why don't more churches communicate this? And I've I've said before, I've been in lots of churches, very few, if any, where I heard the gospel preached, uh, that God loved us so much that he died for our sins. And yes, that was my phone going off. I'm sorry. Tech team, trust me, I will use it later. It's just, okay. But um, he, he, the, the, that was her thing. And, and, and there are lots of churches that, and you've probably been in some too, where, or you've heard of, where they focus on, we got to get people saved. They're, they're like fighting hard. And we get, you know, reason why we're bringing people in and why we're mega churches is we got to get people saved. And that's true too. But there are very few churches that say, yes, we want you to get saved, get into a relationship with Jesus Christ. But then there is still work to do because God wants to change something in you. Otherwise, what you have happen and what happens a lot is people go in, they commit their lives to Christ, you know, at an altar call or some Sunday morning or even, you know, a youth group retreat or concert or some type of thing. And then they go back home and continue in the same sinful habits that they were doing before. Because no one has told them that, yeah, God wants you, but he also wants to do a change in you. He wants to make you into the image and likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. Now, um, here's the thing. This is what, and get your Bibles out, but don't turn anywhere yet, okay? Uh, In the book of Romans, this is what Paul writes to the church uh, in Rome. Now, it would be the equivalent of him writing, and I've said this before, to a group of people wanting to meet in a church in Washington, D.C. These are people who are living in uh, the capital of the, like, strongest and most powerful nation on the planet at that time. There's political corruption. There's politicians who are saying, no, we can make a difference. We should do right. There's one saying, nope, it's all about us. Let's do wrong. There's greed. Uh, there's uh, financial inconsistency, all that you can imagine, same stuff that goes on in our capital. Uh, and here's what he writes to them, Okay. He says, do not be conformed to this world or this age. Uh, And here's what the word conformed, this is the amplified version, literally means fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs. So he tells them, 
don't be conformed to this world. Now, their world was one of political intrigue, greed, lust, lying, putting yourself first, forgetting about others. The same thing he says to us, do not be conformed or fashioned after or adapted to the external superficial customs of our culture, of our governments, or of this world. Instead, he says, but be transformed, changed, by the entire renewal of your mind. And some of you have heard this this passage of scripture before, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here's what that word transformed and renewal means, by its new ideas and new attitudes. And here's why you do it, so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. So Paul is writing to them, and he says, hey, I want you to be transformed. I want you to have uh, renew your mind and have new attitudes, new ideas, new perceptions about the way you look at things, a new outlook on life. And he says when this happens, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll see things differently, and you'll be better able to ascertain what does God want me to do. Now, has anyone ever wondered what does God want me to do with my life? Or how am I supposed to live my life for God? Or how am I supposed to do it? And this is what he says. He says, when you renew your mind and you begin to look at things the way that Jesus Christ does, because that's who he's transforming us into, then you'll better be able to see these things. Now, here's the thing. That's what happens when you do it. The question that we're going to dig into over the next couple of weeks is how do you do it? And the how do you do it is not the comfortable thing. It's the uncomfortable thing that makes people uncomfortable in the church, okay? Because it's not something that we practice. It's not something that we can just do. It happens as a spiritual thing, and it happens because of God putting his Holy Spirit in us. So if you have a Bible, open it up to the book of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and this is Paul writing to a church in Corinth. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to dig all around uh, this book and look at a lot of stuff that Paul wrote to this church. And here's what happens when Paul writes a lot of his letters. Again, he's, he's, he'll, it looks like he's changing from topic to topic, but a lot of times he's answering questions, same questions we have. How do I live? How do I get through this? What am I supposed to do about this? How can I live this way when a community I'm in is this way? And all these type of questions. What about spiritual things? What about supernatural things? And he's jumping from topic to topic because he's answering questions. So in 1 Corinthians, he writes to the church in Corinth. In chapter 2, Uh, Excuse me. This is what he writes in verse one. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So he said, I didn't come to you like a big know-it-all telling you this is the way it has to be. He basically said, I humbled myself because my goal was that you might know Christ. Right. Verse three, I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. So this is what he tells me. He says, when I came to you and I shared the gospel with you, that was my goal. It wasn't me saying, here's the way it is because I know everything because, you know, I've studied Hebrew and Greek and blah, blah, blah and all this stuff. He said, I came to you humbly and everything that I communicated to you was through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, 
This is the cool thing. I'm going to read uh, some verses to you from the book of Acts from that time when Paul was in Corinth. In the book of Acts, uh, chapter 18, this is what it says in verse 1. After this, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. This is when he was talking about when I came to you, this is when he came to them. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently arrived from Italy with Priscilla, his wife, due to the fact that Claudius had issued an edict that all the Jews were to leave Rome. And Paul went to see them. And because he was of the same occupation, he stayed with them, and they worked together, for they were tent makers by trade. Now, this is, this is what happened as he stayed with them, as he lived with them. But he discoursed and argued in the synagogue every Sabbath and won over both Jews and Greeks. Now, this is, this is like a little small, minute thing. Luke, who writes the book of Acts, says that, he, that Paul, while he was staying with, um, uh, in Corinth, that he discoursed and argued. That word, and if you look in the King James Version, I think it says he reasoned, and the word is kind of like what you would expect to hear from, like, a charismatic politician. I don't mean charismatic from a spiritual way, just charismatic that they're, they're well-spoken, they have those smooth, silver-tongued words that you're like, yeah, we need that, and, and, and encourage you, and you feel inspired by them. That's the word that's used uh, for the phrase discouraged and argued. And he won them over, meaning he persuaded them. Now, here's the thing. Paul says that, hey, the reason I was able to do that wasn't because I have this charismatic and great preaching ability. He says it was because of the Holy Spirit working in me. Now, if you go a couple of chapters later, like a lot of theologians, they seem to agree Paul was probably a horrible preacher. He was a great evangelist, given an opportunity to share the gospel, but a preacher, they think he was a horrible one. A couple of chapters later, he's preaching in a home, and he puts a guy to sleep, and the guy falls out the window and dies. Now, I put some people to sleep. No one has died on my watch yet. I shouldn't even say yet, but... Now, I, I, I know pastors who have been preaching and they died like in the pulpit but i have yet to hear of one where as they were preaching someone died and most theologians agree because paul was not he was he was a a a more of a theologian than a preacher he was a more a study of the word which is why he was a great evangelist because he could show you and appeal to you all the facts you needed to realize that yeah jesus is the christ but from a preaching standpoint he wasn't like your top guy. He wasn't like an Andy Stanley or a Charles Stanley, depending on what age you are and who you prefer to listen to. But at this point, Luke says he just sat in the synagogue week after week and persuaded people that Jesus is the Christ. Now, what he tells the church in Corinth is it wasn't me. It was God's Holy Spirit working in me, that's how I was able to communicate that to you. And a lot of times when we think of spiritual things and we talk about God's Holy Spirit being in us, our mind immediately goes to supernatural things. Like I'm going to be able to walk on water, speaking in tongues, heal people, all this kind of stuff. But sometimes God's Holy Spirit, the way that it changes us, is sometimes it just makes us a little bit more humble. Sometimes it makes us more bold when we need to be. Sometimes it gives us wisdom, like Helen's phone call, to say, hey, I need some discernment here. 
Sometimes it makes us, when we're not good at speaking, a much better speaker when we need to be. Sometimes it gives us patience. The Holy Spirit will give us and make us more patient. I said it, I should say he, will make us more patient for those of us who, like me, sometimes we're not that patient. And over time, time and time and time, the Holy Spirit begins to change us. Now, go back to the book of Corinth. Drop down to verse 10. The latter part of verse 10. It says, the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Talking about the Holy Spirit. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Verse 12, we have not received the spirit of the world. He's talking about those of us who have acknowledged Jesus Christ as our Savior and stepped into a relationship with him, stepping across the line of faith. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. And he's communicating. This is how I'm able to communicate some stuff. This is those times when I want to, like, as my mom used to say, like, smack the taste out of your mouth when people say something stupid. But then the Holy Spirit will intervene. And even instead of just holding you back, give you some kind words to say or encouraging words to say. And you're all looking at me like you've never had that thought, like no one's ever said anything stupid to you, but that's okay. On the way home, I'm sure you'll be like, you'll be listing them out. All right, but here's, here's the thing. And, and what the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit enables us in those circumstances where we don't have the wisdom, the knowledge, or the power, or the capability to do what God says in his word we should do, to live how God says in his word we should live, but then the Holy Spirit allows us to live that way. And here's the reason why, because we have God's Holy Spirit, like we just read. No one knows the Spirit of God except the Spirit of God. So God puts that Spirit in us, and because we have God's Spirit in us, we know God a little bit better. Let me put it this way, and ladies, okay, and maybe not you ladies, but I know for me, perhaps some of you, maybe in the past, maybe not with your current husband, spouse, boyfriend, have had your friends look at you and say, what in the ham sandwich are you doing with him? What do you see in him? And maybe not the person you're with now, maybe previously, all right? And, and, and you know what, guys, we're not ashamed because sometimes we're like, what in the world is she doing with me? And we know that we, you know, we stepped up. We, we are the ones who were able to step up and we got the better end of the deal and you know, we pray every day, Lord, don't let her come to our senses. But sometimes, sometimes you respond back to your friends when they ask you, what are you doing? What do you see in him? What do you say? You say, uh, you don't know him like I do. You haven't spent time with him like I do. You don't know the conversations we have. You don't know how he understands me. You don't know how, you know, we, we just are so compatible. And they're right. They don't know. In the same way, because God puts his spirit in us, those things that we didn't understand about God or didn't know about God or couldn't ascertain about God or couldn't try to resemble and characteristic like God, because we have God's spirit, now we understand a little bit better. 
now because of his Holy Spirit, we are able to respond or act or to think like God does because we have God's Holy Spirit in us. Now, this is where it gets weird because here's the thing. Because we have God's Holy Spirit in us, we are what is called this new creation. We are this totally new thing. And, and, and I'm not, I'm, I'm, I know many of you think I'm not getting into the whole comic book thing, but we're no longer just mere mortal men and women. We're not. I'm not saying we're superpowered, you know, don't go out and try to catch a bullet or anything, but we're not. We are this totally new thing that did not exist and does not exist anywhere in the universe. This is what Paul tells the church in Corinth in uh, chapter 2. He says, therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, meaning we, we, didn't, we weren't born this way, we didn't like do anything on our own this way, it was a combination of God putting his Holy Spirit in us and us saying, yes, we want to receive God's Holy Spirit, then we are engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, then if anyone is in that, in Christ, he is a new creature altogether. Again, this is the Amplified Version. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. The old way we used to do things doesn't have to exist anymore. We have the capability to do things in a new way. The old moral condition of what we thought was right and what we thought was wrong and thought we, we thought was okay, the way we thought it was okay to treat people or to talk to people or to reach out and smack the taste out of the mouth of people. Now, because we have God's Holy Spirit, we can have a new perception and a new way to look at how to do those things. And he says, behold, the fresh and new has come. We are now an entirely new thing that didn't exist before. Now, let me show you this, because this, this, uh, this has helped me understand a lot, and I'm hoping it will help you guys understand as well. And I hope this table, okay, good, 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 good. All right, so now here's the deal. I don't know how many of you guys have seen me carrying this background. I carry it kind of like almost everywhere I go. There we go. Everywhere I go, I usually have it on me, and um, despite what you may have heard, it is not a man purse. Despite what you may have heard, it is not a MERS, short for man purse, okay? I call it an accessories bag. If it had tools and hammers and screwdrivers, you'd call it a tool bag, a tool bag. Uh, I call it an accessories bag, because that's the kind of junk I keep in here. And now, here's the deal. Um, I want to show you... What, now, I, I need you guys to just give me the umbrella of grace and just bear with me for a few minutes. This will make perfectly uh, clear common sense in just a minute, all right? So now I do have, and this is why I needed to keep my cell phone. Normally, I turn mine in with the tech team, but uh, I do have um, a cell phone, and many of you guys have ones as well. Um, I don't know if you guys can see this up here, so let me see if I, I took pictures and put them uh, up here. There you go. So my phone is a Samsung S4. On average, I can get about eight hours of battery life out of it, okay? Um, which is not the greatest. It's not the worst. I use mine a lot because I like to stay connected. I'm updating stuff. I like to be able to, if, you know, text from my wife or if kids call or whatever, I always like to be on and have it charged and ready to go. I'm heavily dependent upon it for a lot of stuff. Um, so, 
because that is my thing. Now, here's the thing. I know some of you guys don't understand where I'm going with the phone, but you know how some guys uh, carry a pocket knife because they like to be able to, they usually just carry a knife like Tarzan, big knife. Then what we found out, guys, back me up, is that sometimes you don't need just a knife. You need a lot of other little tools. So they began to make, like, Leathermans. Everyone heard of a Leatherman? Like, you know, pocket knife with lots of stuff in it. So, you know, guys would carry that. Some guys carry two or three because you find that it has stuff that you need. And so this is the same thing, stuff that I need, okay? So here's the thing. I have that phone. I can get eight hours out of it. Eight hours is not enough for me, okay? Sometimes I find that I want more, or if I'm out in the eight hours, I use it all up and it dies. Um, I have a little device on here. The case that I have lets me charge it. I don't know if you can see the lights on here, uh, but I don't know if you can see the little blue lights at the bottom. That means that the case itself, if my phone loses its charge, the case itself will begin to charge my phone. When that happens, I get the eight hours of battery life plus about 12 hours from the case. Make sense? You know, and that, that's just me. That's something I want to have with me because I like to be connected. I don't want to be caught where, oh, now I got it. It's died. I got to go plug it in somewhere. Although, if I do, I have lots of plugs and stuff so I, and cables so I can plug it in somewhere. Um, I am, and I, I, for those of you who think that I am making this up, okay, Christy can testify that this is with me all the time. Sadly, so can Rachel and Nick who have been around when I've pulled this stuff out and um, embarrassed them, for lack of a better term. All right, so um, the case will give me an additional 12 hours so I can charge it with the case. Now, should the case fail and the battery and the case lose their charge, I have this extra battery that I carry. This is for real. This is my life. I carry around this extra. You guys need to pray for Christy a lot more. Um, I carry around this extra battery, which, um, depending on how I use it, it can give me about another 20 hours. On a good day, I can squeeze another 30 out of it, and I've, I've done it, okay? Just been that busy where I'm just keeping a charge. Another 30 out of it. Um, don't worry about all the details and all that stuff. Because it's bigger, I have to carry around another case because the normal case won't fit with it, so uh, I've got to carry all that extra stuff. Should that fail, I'm not making this stuff up. I carry around this thing. It's called a MyCharge device. And what I can do is I can then, should all of this fail, I can connect. This is like a little battery pack. It just stays charged. Every couple of weeks, you know, I'll check it. If it's lost charge, I'll charge it for a couple hours. And it will give me about another, not a lot, another six to eight hours, which is reasonable, right? It's, it's, I mean, they have smaller ones now that will give you more, uh, but I really can't justify to Christy. Plus, carrying all that stuff makes my back hurt. So this will give me about another six hours. And then if all else fails, I have this device. And you guys, I'm telling you, this is true. This, if all else fails, I can charge by hand and wind the phone. And and literally, it works. I mean, you just charge, and it's a flashlight. It has a little USB port on the back. So I connect it to the phone. And then when all else fails, I just sit there. And I'm just charging this, and I can get, you know, I think it's about a minute and a half of winding will give me 1% of charge, so it's really got to be an emergency before. I, did. I think I pulled it out one time when we were up at the house, and all the lights, we lost power, pulled it out just to charge the phone. And because I 
you know, it's not just about me. I have a lantern hanging in my closet that you can charge as well that will charge the phone as well. So I don't want to leave Christy without a phone too, but she's never going to use it. But in any case, here's all this to say, all of these devices. Now, uh, with this, I get, what is that, 46, maybe 50-ish hours of power. And then this I get until my arm runs out, to whenever I get tired. All this to say, this is because I don't want to be in a situation where I need to use my phone, but I can't use it because there's not enough power or I've lost power or I've got to wait until I can find somewhere to charge it. Now, for most of us, that's never going to be the case, right? Um, I'm just weird that way. But here's what happens. When God puts his Holy Spirit in us, because most of us will get into a situation and we don't know how to respond. We don't know what to say. We don't know what to do. We know that there's this expectation from God and the Bible and the pastor said that we're supposed to, you know, do this morally right thing. And that's why God puts his Holy Spirit in us. There is never a time where we don't have access to God's Holy Spirit so that we can respond either verbally or physically or whatever we need in a God-honoring way. The problem is a lot of us, because just the term Holy Spirit makes us feel weird, we cut that part off. And we're cutting, the, for lack of a better term, the power that God gives us to be transformed into the image and likeness of his son. As the band comes up, here's what I'm going to ask us to do. We're going to spend a few minutes um, just praising God in worship. And as we do, uh, here's what I want you to just think about this one question that you ask yourself. Don't ask it out loud. Just one question that you ask yourself. Have you fully, I know we would, those of us that say, yes, we're Christ followers, we would say, I've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. I know there's a God that loves me. And I want God to be a part of my life. I want his Holy Spirit to be a part of my life. But here's the question we have to ask. Have we, just like we embrace our love of God and his love of us, we embrace his son, Jesus Christ, have we embraced the Holy Spirit? Or have we cut it off and said, that's one of those weird supernatural things that we don't want to be a part of? God, we are yours, and we just pray that your hand, your spirit, would be all over every aspect of everything we do. And that with every word everything would bring you glory. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and by the power of your Holy yes, Spirit. Yes, Lord. All God's people say, Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Hope we see everyone tonight. Have an awesome, powerful Sunday.